Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, and thank you so much for joining me on Wednesday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. This is going to be an exciting and exhilarating episode because we have so much, so much to go over today. A little bit of hockey, tons and tons of football, and today we will be filling out my March Madness Tournament bracket. Yes, we are. I am super excited. It is going to be a incredibly stressful and fun time because obviously we didn't have any last year, but this year is completely different. I mean, I feel like there's a ton of teams that are that are usually good that aren't in it, and I think there's a, a good amount of teams that you don't really hear of who are in it. So it's definitely going to be very interesting, and I'll get more into that once we actually get there, but we do have a ton a ton of quick hits. quick hits. So I do want to just start out with saying that the Bruins won 2-1 to one last night, beating the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Dan Vladar got his first NHL win with the Bruins last night. Like I said, after they beat the Penguins 2-1, to one, it was a must-win game for the Bruins. It feels like a lot of games moving forward are must-wins. It was nice to see uh, Vladar do really good in net after getting torched in last year's playoffs after Tuka Rask opted out due to the COVID uh, coronavirus. Oh, my goodness. But nonetheless, it was really good to see him do very well. It looks like he's got his head on right. It looks like he's much more sharper. He's much more quicker. And he's much more confident, which is the big thing. Because I feel like when he went into net net last year during the playoffs against the Lightning, I believe it was, one goal, two goals, and the dude was just cooked. And, like, there's nothing you can really do about it because you had to save Halak because he was your starting goalie and you were going to lean on him more and more. So, moving forward, very nice to see Vladar. Hopefully we get to see a little bit more of him. Could he be the goalie moving forward next year? That's a conversation for another day. But both Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak's contract are up. Don't see the Bruins paying big money for, um, for Tuka next year. So could Vladar slide in and be the goalie and maybe have Halak back him up? Wouldn't mind that. Definitely wouldn't mind that. But like I said, conversation for another day. Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James. Yes, LeBron James is in Boston sports media. Um, He becomes a part owner of the Boston Red Sox out of like nowhere as he joins uh, Fenway Sports Group. Now, Fenway Sports Group is a group of ownership that owns the Boston Red Sox. 
Liverpool Football Club and a racing team, I believe. I'm not sure exactly the racing team. But LeBron James already has a stake in Fenway Sports Group's uh, the Liverpool Football Club, like I did previously mention about them. He invested ugh, six point something million a few years ago, I think it was, and now he's gonna kind of you know double up and reinvest into FSG Fenway Sports Group as he invests in the Boston Red Sox, becoming a part owner for one of MLB's favorite teams in your Boston Red Sox. Very interesting. Kind of came out of nowhere. Didn't really expect this, to be honest. But I just kind of want a LeBron James Red Sox jersey. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. You know, LeBron on the back of it, 23. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. All right, moving forward to football now. Football. Listen, after Monday's episode, I was hoping, hoping the Patriots would be done making moves. And boy, was I wrong. I was wrong. Like, I tried to end the episode. I would hit stop. ESPN. The Patriots signed Matt Judon. I talk about it. Stop. Oh, the Patriots signed Jalen Mills. I would talk about it. Stop. It was just like, oh, I'm just trying to end this episode already. So anyways, a few hours after the uh, Monday's episode goes live, a few more signings get reported. Um, and then obviously a few from yesterday as well also come out so i'm going to talk about all those right now and we will start off with you ready you ready you ready you ready patriots resign defensive end dietrich wise there's no report of the deal or the terms of the deal um haven't been released yet but i think this is a good signing i'm a big fan of dietrich wise i actually met him when he was a rookie back in 2017 super nice guy i really like his potential he's been in and out of the lineup early in his career due to injuries, but I think the past couple years he's really been able to kind of shine, and hopefully he'll be able to shine even more this year without, like, John Simon, without Lawrence Guy playing. So, you know, put him on the line, obviously, with uh, David Gachow and uh, Chase Winowich, plus the new si- a new signing for the Patriots, such as defensive tackle Henry Anderson, who last played for the Jets. So Anderson coming over... Um, Inter uh, inter division switch whatever whatever I'm trying to say um, Henry Anderson comes over free agency two year seven million dollar deal like I said he last played for the Jets so this helps bolster our front seven and our front four actually even more I do like this move because it just gives you more pieces and more building blocks to put in there more rotational pieces it seems like I it seems like Adam Butler Lawrence Guy John Simon. And those players from the team last year won't be coming back. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting is just we're going to get a completely new front four. Obviously, Dietrich Wise is coming back. That's just one out of, like, I don't know, seven, eight players on the defensive line. So we're just going to have to kind of see how the rest of it plays out. But there are more signings to get to. There are more signings, such as wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. To a two-year, $26 million deal. Now, I am so confused about this deal. I really am. I honestly don't like this deal. So, he is known for dropping a ton of balls. Could be perfectly thrown. It could be tightly thrown. It could be easy. It could be higher. But whatever. He's known for dropping passes. And he played for the Raiders last year, who had a really good season. I don't have the stats in front of me, nor do I really care. 
But he had a really solid season. You know, Derek Carr was throwing in the ball. Raiders looked really good for most of the season. They didn't slip in, but that's okay. It's just very surprising for a two-year, $26 million dude. And I don't know what's guaranteed. I, I really don't know what's guaranteed. But why? That's $13 million a year. If you took that money and took that $26 million, you could have spent a little bit more and got Kenny Galladay. Now, does Belichick know that Oh, we're not in the running for Galladay anymore. Galladay doesn't want to, you know, join us. He's going to accept another offer elsewhere. So might as well just try to get the next, I don't want to say next best thing, but, you know, something something decent so you're not rolling out, you know, bums like you did this past year, next year. They also signed Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers, to a three-year, $22.5 million deal, and that averages out to 7.5 a year. So them two combined, so you take 13 from Nelson Aguilar and then the 7.5 from Kendrick Bourne. That's $20.5 million that you're putting towards two wide receivers. Now having two, let's call it B receivers, B-graded wide receivers, rather than one A wide receiver, seems to be Belichick's mentality here. Now, I don't know guarantees in either of these contracts, so if one doesn't work out, you can just slash them, save the money, and you know, kind of keep the money moving forward. But I personally think if you take both of those, that money, those $20.5 million, invest 18 of it into Kenny Galladay, and then you can go out and get kind of like you know a cheap minimum wide receiver, undrafted free agent, or even draft somebody to give you the two wide receivers you're looking for, me personally, I would have thought that'd be the better route to go in because, because I just think having one A-rated player is better than having two B-rated players. Now, I could be wrong. Belichick might think that these two players are going to be, you know, take off under his system and with Cam Newton. Absolutely true. They both bring some, you know, different things to the table that Kenny Galladay don't, that either of them don't bring to the table for each other. So it's very interesting to kind of see this kind of money invested into these two wide receivers instead of kind of investing that into the one A rated receiver and then bringing in someone who's much cheaper. But, but. That's not even the best news of the day. The best signing of all the signings so far in free agency for the Patriots is the fact that they were able to sign tight end Hunter Henry to a three-year, $37.5 million deal that averages out to $12.5 million per year. Jonu Smith, who the Patriots signed on Monday, got a got the same contract except for one year more and obviously $12.5 million more. So... It's $12 million per year for both players. Jonu Smith has an extra year on his contract, so it's four for 50. Hunter Henry has three for 37 and a half. Now, this signing came a little later in the day, so this could totally change um, anyone's mindset of thinking here with the signings because if you have two, two round, around A-grade tight ends, then is there a purpose and a need to really invest all that kind of money in an A-rated wide receiver? One could say no. But if you can surround your, your quarterback, Cam Newton, with Julian Edelman, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, hopefully Nikhil Harry can be something, Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, hopefully we can bring back James White. Now we're cooking. Now we're freaking cooking. 
So with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, it kind of eliminates the need for a top threat wide receiver when you have two serious threat tight ends. There could be insane mismatches on the defensive end of the ball because usually um, defense will have a safety or a linebacker on a tight end. But if you got some two big, beefy, and quick tight ends, then it's going to be a mismatch problem for them. It really is. So, like I said, very odd signing to bring not just one. I love the signing. I love the idea of one, but both? That's so confusing because the Patriots just drafted two tight ends last draft. Devin Asiasi and Don Keene, who I was just talking about, who could hopefully learn a thing or two from Jonu Smith, and then we can get, you know, one of them can emerge as the second tight end. However, with Hunter Henry now in the picture, one of them is only going to emerge as the third tight end. But it just, three tight end sets just gets very interesting and tricky. Could Bill Belichick be trying to revamp his offensive scheme to kind of, you know, gear around towards the running game or gear more towards Cam Newton's strengths and such as, you know, running the ball? Be very interesting to see. I'm very excited. Definitely a different feel here in New England being a Patriots fan. I'm sure you, you feel in the same way as well. Two stud tight ends. I mentioned this on Monday. Patriots are at their best when they have two stud tight ends. Gronk and Hernandez, and then Gronk and Bennett. That's when the offense was at its best with two A tight ends, and I think they have two A tight ends now. They got a bunch of good wide receivers to kind of um, compensate. I'm feeling good. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the Patriots won the offseason, and they clearly did. They clearly did. And does this put them back in playoff contention? Absolutely. Does that give them the AFC East championship? No. But are they still in playoff contention? Absolutely. And some people are even saying that, you know, they're in it for the Super Bowl. They're in Super Bowl talks. And I think that they are. I mean, they're still on the outside, you know, on the bubble of, you know, Super Bowl conversation. But they're still there. They're, you know, flirting. So it's all very interesting. And I'm excited to see what this team can do come the 2021 season. I'm still very interested to see what the Patriots will continue to do as free agency becomes official today. So all of those signings that were reported on Monday and Tuesday were just during the legal tampering period. They couldn't become official until today. Uh, Today at noon, I believe, it comes out to be official. Once they're all official, the Patriots are gun-hoeing, baby. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready to talk March Madness? Now, I know on the wheel, the wheel to side has spun on it a couple times. I'm going to move my mic. It spun on it a couple times. I wasn't really able to talk much about it because, you know, the, the conference tournaments weren't going on at the time. And there's just a lot of other stuff going on in the picture. But here we are. We have the official, official bracket of all 64 teams included in the big dance. Now, I say this with fair warning. I really haven't been too attuned to college basketball this year due to uh, many other things going on. And it sucks. It really sucks. When your team's not in it, you kind of lose interest in it a little bit. Look at the Red Sox last year. You could really care less about the baseball season. I mean, COVID, gazillion teams making the playoffs. I mean, the Marlins making the playoffs. It's like, ugh. I mean, ugh. Patriots last year, you could really care less at the end of the day. You were just kind of rooting for Brady. So my team, Kentucky, was abysmal this past year. They absolutely sucked. They didn't deserve to be in the big dance. I wish they were. It would have been nice to see them in it. But nonetheless, here we go. I'm going to go over all 
all games, all rounds, and I'm going to give you some thoughts about each of them. I mean, I'm not going to go too in-depth on a lot of them, but some of them I certainly will. And I'm very excited to do this. So here we go. In the West, we'll start over here, top left. We're going to start with Gonzaga versus Norfolk State and Appalachian State. Now, obviously, we all know of UMBC's upset over Virginia three years ago. It was an incredible game to watch. I kind of wish it was closer than a blowout because, you know, it was kind of, you know, not interesting towards the end. I'm still going to, I mean, it doesn't matter who wins this first game in. It's going to be Gonzaga. A lot of people are picking Gonzaga to go all the way. A lot of people have them in the Final Four. I think it would be stupid to not pick them there. Moving down to, I'm not going to move that actually. Moving down to Oklahoma and Missouri. I really think that this is a good matchup nonetheless. Big fan of Mizzou, generally speaking. I really think that they have a good chance to shine. It kind of sucks that they got screwed in only a nine seed. Their top ten, top twenty-five record is four and two, so that's why I really like them a lot there. I think OU, you know, kind of got gifted the eight seed. If it was flip-flopped, I think it would be a little bit easier of a conversation to have. But I'm going to go Missouri there. Creighton versus UCSB. As we can see here, that they haven't faced a top 25 team at all. They are 22 and 4. Don't let that confuse you, though. Creighton is 3 and 2 versus top 25 teams, 2 and 8 this year as a whole. It's good to see Creighton back into the mix. You know, I, I do like that team a lot. They were really good a few years ago, and then they kind of sucked and fell off a cliff. However, I think they are back this year, and I believe they will win in the round of 64. Moving to Virginia and Ohio, a lot of people. A lot of people I've heard has Ohio actually winning this game, and I'm not too sure why. Uh, <laughs> ever since that game, first round game three years ago, a lot of people are anti-Virginia because they lost as the 1C2 UMBC, like I just mentioned. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to pick against them just for the memes, but I honestly just don't see them losing this game. Ohio does score 81 points a game though which is definitely something to be interested in as they only give up 73.3 i think that uh, opponents points per game average is going to get exploded when they face a team like virginia because virginia is actually very good offensively i'm going to be looking forward to how virginia only gives up 60 and a half points as ohio scores 81 points that's going to be an interesting game it'd be very very <laughs> it'd be terrible for a lot of brackets if ohio wins this game i think virginia will pull it out because i think they are overall the superior team but as of now i'm going to pick virginia do i feel confident with it maybe maybe not but you know what it's march madness you got to take some chances now is taking virginia a chance not really but taking ohio is and i respect those that will we have usc versus wichita or drake now obviously we don't have their stats over here because we can't pick them yet but just quickly looking over at USC, they have scored 74.8 points, so almost 75 points per game. They are 1-1 one one in the top 25, well, versus the top 25. And if this was Wichita State, I love Wichita State. You know, they took March Madness by storm a couple years ago. And every time they're in it, they always seem to be doing something fun. I can't pick them here because they're not guaranteed to play. Now, if this wasn't a playing game for Wichita State and it was just USC versus Wichita State, I would probably lean U um, Wichita State, excuse me. But since they have to play the playing game tomorrow, I'm leaning against it. So with that reason, I'm going to pick USC here. They are a good team. They're a very good team. Good to see them in the dance. 
But like I said, <laughs> for some odd reason, I like Wichita State. And I just think, you know, the, 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 shock, <laughs> the Shockers um, will kind of take that upset there. But I just can't take that gamble because they're not guaranteed to even get to that game. And if Drake wins and I have, you know, that 11 seed winning, then I think Drake will lose. So I'm not going to try to lose that point right there. Kansas versus Eastern Washington or East Washington, whatever you want to call it. Points per game, 73.1 as East Washington has scored 78. Um, they are 0-0 in top 25 as Kansas is 8-6. and six. So they've had plenty of games versus tough com- competitors, tough teams, only given up 66 points per game. Meanwhile, Eastern Washington has given up 69.5. Their BPI rank, which is actually very staggering, Kansas is 20th while Eastern Washington's 103. I think this is going to be not a blowout, but an easy win for Kansas. I think that obviously the superior team they played against much more talented programs this season compared to Eastern Washington. And for that reason, I'm going to go Kansas winning that game. Now we got Oregon and VCU, Virginia Christian University. I like Oregon because of um, Nike. I'm just going to be straight honest. Nike, you know, the guy who made Nike went to Oregon. Nike will forever be sponsored by Oregon. Wait, what? No, Oregon will ever be sponsored by Nike, and I'm a little biased towards them. I've seen people pick VCU actually in this matchup, and I think the two teams are a little bit closer than we may think. The records are almost identical. Oregon's 20-6 and with VCU 19-7. and Opponents points per game, 67.4, 65.2. They're both 0-1 in the top 25. BPI ranked 34, VCU 55. Conference, I don't really care about. Points per game, 74.4 to 71.7. Very, very intriguing matchup here. I can absolutely see why people are picking VCU to win this game. I think that VCU kind of brings a little bit of tenacity into this game. I feel like they're always around that middle of the pack seed and i feel like they always can win a couple couple games in the dance will they beat oregon here i don't know i don't know there's nothing telling me to pick oregon but i just feel something inside to have me pick vcu i haven't picked an upset yet no i did right here eight nine something inside is telling me to pick vcu so i'm going to now, like I said, there was nothing telling me to pick Oregon. I just didn't really feel it. I think the two teams are very evenly balanced. And if VCU can get hot, I don't see Oregon being able to stop them. And then we move over to Iowa versus Grand Canyon University, GCU. Now, first, I must say that this damn school, GCU, Grand Canyon University, calls me religiously to apply. So... I forget when it was. I don't think it was when I was going for my undergrad. I think when I was looking for master's programs, I saw their commercial, whatever, just like you and I have seen a million times on TV. And I just kind of filled out a little thing just to get a little more information. And that was like three years ago. Three years ago. And they're still, still hitting me up. I've had to block their number, honestly. I've had to block their number. Um, It just got ridiculous. They'd call me literally like, twice a week and it's like i'm not in school no more i'm done with school so for that reason just that reason alone without even looking at who they're playing i'm picking the other team it just so happens to be that they're playing iowa and iowa is a very good team this year i'm not going to go too much into it because it's going to be an easy matchup for iowa plus plus grand canyon university annoys the crap out of me by calling me religiously 
I'm not even going to go over 116 Baylor versus Hartford. It's going to be Baylor. But just for fun, I will give you the stats as Hartford is own one versus the top 25 and Baylor 7-2. and two. A lot of people, a lot of people have Baylor going all the way. Top uh, Final four, winning the dance. Actually, same with Iowa, actually. I forgot to mention that because I was too heated on Grand Canyon. A lot of people have Iowa also winning, also going all the way. And it'll be very interesting because, you know, all of them being in the West... Uh, obviously facing Gonzaga, that's going to be a tough matchup once they get to the Elite Eight. But we'll see. We'll see. A lot of things still need to happen for that to happen. But Baylor is also a very fan favorite team this year, and they're very, very good. Moving over to the 8-9 uh, UNC and Wisconsin game. UNC is like one of the only teams that are usually good that are in the dance. So like I said, Kentucky is a usually good team, but they're not in it this year. Um, Duke, Duke's another one, a, usually a great team, and they're not in it this year. <sighs> Let's see, hmm. two and four versus the top twenty-five, three and nine, so that's not good. BPI rank has UNC twenty-fifth, while they have Wisconsin at nineteen. That's very interesting because Wisconsin is the lower seed in this matchup. Very interesting that it wasn't switched, uh, switch, flipped, flopped. There we go. I like this stat right here, though. Points per game, 75.7 to Wisconsin's 69.6. So, obviously, surface level, UNC scores more points. However, opponents' points per game, UNC only gives up 69.4, which is less than Wisconsin's average, and their opponents' points per game for Wisconsin is 64.3. I think all of those factors given in, obviously, the coaching. I'm going to go UNC here. Hopefully UNC and that Jordan blood can kind of carry them into a couple of round of victories. Obviously, we can see them here, 1-8 matching up. Probably not going to go all too well. Moving over to Will- Willanova. Villanova, number 5, versus Winthrop, number 12. Winthrop, 23-1, right off the rip. You'd be like, damn, let's pick them. But who'd they play? Who did they play? Nobody. Um, Villanova is 7th in BPI, 3-1 and one in the top 25. BPI for Winthrop is 85, even though they are 23-1. and one. The points per game, 79.5. Villanova is 75.5. What, what, do not tell me that their 23-1 and one record is going to be the reason why they win this game. Do not tell me that. I'm not picking them because they're 23-1. and one. I, I refuse to do that. I'm going Villanova here. That would be stupid of me not to pick them. Purdue and North Texas. Um, shout out Purdue Oilmakers. Drew Brees just retired from the NFL from the Saints. Drew Brees went to Purdue when he was in college, so shout out them. Um, Oilmakers, they were good two years ago, dude. Oh, I forget how far they went. but They, I, they lit it up last uh, not last year, two years ago. So hopefully they can uh, dig down for a little bit of magic. And just looking at all these stats right here, um, I think Purdue has a good chance to go to the Elite Eight, the Final Eight. Do I see them making any noise after that? I don't know, but they could absolutely do it. Uh, 71.1 points per game to um, Northern Texas, 69.8, so let's call it 70. 26th in B, uh, BPI, 68 here. 5-5 five and five in the top 25, and then Texas was 0-1. Uh, Northern Texas, though, only gives up 61.2 points, almost a flat 60. That's really low. So they can play some good defense. They can score. 
Purdue giving up 66.3, which is less than Texas's 69.8. And for the memes, for the memes, I really for the memes, I really want to go with Northern Texas. I just I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That look at this. Look at this. Oh, and they were nine and five in the conference, if that if that matters to you. Seventeen and nine overall. Purdue is eighteen and nine. 61.2 is very, very appealing for a defensive team. I don't know. I'm going to go Purdue. I just think they're overall the superior team. I will, I would love to see that um, upset, though, from Northern Texas. Number six, Texas Tech versus number 11, Utah State. I do have to give a shout-out to Utah State. Jordan Love went there. Um, hopefully a great quarterback in the NFL someday. I've ranted and raved about him many times on this podcast, and I'm not going to do it again. But just a little shout-out, so I might be a little biased here when I pick my team to win. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nod. Anyways, um, let's look. Beep, uh, versus t- top 25, Texas Tech is 3-8. and eight. Versus top 25, Utah State is 0-1. BPI rank is number 8, while OSU, uh, U- USU excuse me, is 49th. Points per game is a flat 73. Meanwhile, USU is 73.3. And then opponents' points per game is 62.3, while Texas Tech is 63.4. All of that stuff is very even. The points per game, very even on both sides of the ball. Big difference is Texas Tech has faced better better opponents. They haven't fared very well. Their BPI rank is 8th, while USU is 49th. I'm not going to go over the conference. I don't care. Utah State is 20-8. Meanwhile, Texas Tech is 17-10. and 10. This is going to be a tough matchup. Texas Tech is a very good team. They have been for a few years now, both football and in basketball. But nothing is telling me to pick them. You know, there's nothing giving me that urge to pick them. And you probably have more of that urge for an underdog because you'd probably look for something and be like, ooh, I'm going to go with them because, you know, they're the underdog and I like this in them. But... This one's tough too. This one's tough too. Um, uh, I want to go Utah State. Everything else is mainstream. Actually, not everything else, but everything over here is mainstream so far. I'm going to go Utah State. I'm not sold on it though. I'm not sold on it. Now, if I find something between now and then, before the um, first game tomorrow, I will switch it. Arkansas versus Colgate. Three Arkansas, fourteen Colgate, just like the toothpaste. Colgate's fourteen and one, zero zero versus the top twenty-five. Meanwhile, Arkansas is two and two. Points per game, eighty-two point four. Meanwhile, Colgate's got eighty-six point three. This is gonna be a blowout. Oh, not a blowout, a shootout. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Opponents' points per game, sixty-eight point six. Meanwhile, Arkansas has given up seventy point seven. This game might go up to the hundred. <laughs> this might be like a 98 versus to like 94 game. Holy crap. Now, if if Arkansas wasn't able to score 82.4 points themselves per average, I'd probably pick Colgate. But for that point, since Arkansas can dance in the dance, scoring points, I'm going to pick Arkansas here. I just think Arkansas is too good of a team. A lot of people are high on them this year, being the number three seed. Feel like they deserved it. I don't see them uh, losing in this game at all. I don't even see them losing in this game, but we'll get there when we get there. 
Moving forward to number seven, Florida versus number ten, Virginia Tech. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. It was just it was just there. Uh, top twenty-five, VT is four and zero. Meanwhile, Florida is two and two. BPI ranks almost even at thirty-two and thirty-nine points per game. Florida seventy-four, Virginia Tech seventy-two point one. Opponents points per game sixty-nine point eight, and Virginia Tech sixty-five point five. Very even. Virginia Tech does a lot of good things that Florida doesn't. The only thing that they don't do better is score per game. Everything else, defense is better. Their top 25 is better. Uh, conference record is even better in BPI rank, which I really don't care about. So, my friend John, who I just visited in Florida, is going to hate me, but I'm going to go Virginia Tech here. I, I have to go Virginia Tech here. I'm smelling an upset there. I really think Virginia Tech has a lot more motivation than Florida does. And overall, this could go either way. I mean, 7-10 match, matchups are very, very close. A lot of pe- people are picking Florida, well, in terms of, you know, these inside uh, metrics. Let's see, seed fact. The 2019 marked the first time since 2010, number 10 seeds won three of the four mat- matchups, meetings, whatever, with number seven seeds in a single tournament. It's possible. It's very possible. Look at that. I got number 10 winning here, and I got a number 10 winning there. All right, so my next two uh, 7-10 matches up. matchups, I can't have them winning. Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. Um, Ohio State. All right, moving over to the East now. We have Michigan versus – oh, didn't this change? I feel like this changed. Um, Michigan and Texas Southern. I thought this matchup changed. Maybe not. Let me just go quickly check. So I know some of them got changed. Okay, maybe not. No, okay, we're good. All right, we are good. All right, so um, this is easy. Michigan, not even going to talk about. LSU versus St. Bonaventure. I know when Kim filled out her bracket, she picked St. Bonaventure to kind of go to the Elite Eight, I think, because of the name and the name only. Me, I'm not going to pick them for that reason. I'm actually going to dig down and look at some metrics. BPI ranked 24-28, um, St. Oh, Bonaventure, 82.1 points per game for LSU versus 70.5 for um, St. Bonaventure. Opponent points per game, we have 60.4 for SBU and 75.3 for LSU. All these abbreviations giving me headache shuns. I... I Oh, um, LSU is two and five versus top twenty-five teams. Me, <coughs> excuse me. Meanwhile, um, same Bonaventure is zero and zero. I'm gonna try to not edit out like, like little coughs and scratches in my throat, drinks because I don't want to have to mess up with the uh, screen recording that I'm doing for the YouTube channel. So I do apologize for any of those. Um, overall, I think LSU is gonna get the dub there. Just nothing is screaming too hard in my face to pick St. Bonaventure, especially when LSU averages more than 12 points or 11.5 points over them. Defense, obviously, St. Bonaventure only gives up 60.4, and LSU gives up 75.3. Makes me double-guess that take, actually. Let's see, let's see. Uh... 2019 tournament marked the first time since 2001 that nine seeds won all four meetings versus eight seeds in a single tournament. Oh, yikes. And I picked nine. I picked eight. Okay. Um, hmm. See, now I got to think again. I can't take it out either. 
Um, I think I'm going to go LSU. I think SEC power will prevail. Colorado versus Georgetown. A lot of people actually have Georgetown winning this matchup, this upset, and I will tell you why. Because the Georgetown threes are coming out in a couple of days for sneakers. No, just kidding, actually. Um, let's look at the inside out. So Colorado's actually had a really good season this year. They're 3-1 versus top 25. Meanwhile, Georgetown is 3-4. 73, 73 points flat for Colorado. Meanwhile, Georgetown has 71.4. Opponents points per game, 63.3. Meanwhile, Georgetown's given up 70.7. Georgetown overall is 13-12. Colorado is 22-8. Very interesting game. Very It'd be very interesting to see if Georgetown can actually win. Seed fact. Number five seeds have won 64.3% of meetings with number 12 seeds, but 2019 marked the third time in the past seven tournaments that number 12s won three of four matchups. Ah, do I buy into the hype? Do I buy into the hype of Georgetown this year? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do I have any 12 seeds actually winning? I forget. Creighton, Villanova, no. All right, you know what? Georgetown it is. Bang. I was telling my boys, Andrew and Evan, that Georgetown is an Elite Eight lock. Doesn't mean I'm actually... Oh, I just... Oh, crap. Can I take that out? Oh, okay. Okay, good. I can take it out. Like, well, doing it like that. All right. Florida State versus UNC Greensboro. They're always in it. UNC Greensboro. They're always trash seeds, and they always lose. Um, Let's see. Mm, yeah. They don't... At least one number 13 seed has beaten a number 4 seed in 25 of 35 years. In the past two tournaments, five of the eight matchups were decided by single digits. Interesting. We'll have a battle. We will have a battle. All right. Points per game, 78.9 for FSU and UNCG, 73.6. BPI ranked 21 for Florida State and 89th for UNC Greensboro. Top 25 FSU is 2-0, and UNCG is 0-0. Florida State is too good of a team. I'm just going to stop there. They can do a lot of good things. They can pass the ball. They can shoot the ball. They can play defense. They can move the ball, like I said. I just don't see them losing this game against UNCG. If it was another team, if they were playing maybe like a Colorado or somebody in that first round instead, obviously that probably wouldn't happen because they're 4-5. and five. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, I'd probably go that way. BYU versus Michigan State University or UCLA. Now, this is something I actually saw a lot as well, where UCLA wins the playing game and they beat BYU in the first round. I can't go over their stats because they're not here because we don't know if they're actually going to win. But let's just talk about BYU really quickly. 78.7 points per game, 29th with BPI, 1-3 versus top 25, and 68.5 opponent points per game. Nothing too staggering, nothing too shocking. I mean, definitely deserve to be in the dance, definitely deserve to be within that low middle seed. I, I forget who it was, Jay Billis, I believe, really thinks UCLA will be, beat BYU. Can Michigan State beat them? Michigan State used to be a really damn good team a few years ago, like three years ago. I don't remember how far they got that one year. I think it was the final four the Spartans got, and they like lost on a heartbreaker. Ah. Uh, I'm going to roll the dice here. I'm going to roll the dice and go MSU versus UCLA. Call me dicey. Call me risky. Call me risky smooth. But it is what it is. I'm going to pick them. 
I don't care who wins this playing game. I just think BYU doesn't have what it takes against a Power 5 conference. All right. <clears throat> Texas versus Abel Christian. I don't even think I'm going to go into this. I think Texas is really damn good this year. I just don't see them being stopped, honestly. Uh, Chicago Smart, his most talented team in Austin, and the Longhorns are as hot at right now while winning the program's first conference title in 26 years. Top scorer Andrew Jones is adept at creating his shot off the dribble while a pair of underclassmen, upperclassmen. I'm not even going to talk about this game, to be honest. I mean, who is Abel Christian, right? Let's just be honest. UConn versus Maryland, 7 versus 10. This is good. You usually see... UConn's women, you know, hyped up a lot when it comes to the tournament. But you don't see UConn men ever since kind of Kemba left, uh, oh, like 10 years ago now, Jesus. Um, points per game, 72.5 versus 68.8 for Maryland. BPI rank, 15th for UConn, 43 for Maryland. Top 25, UConn's 0-4. Meanwhile, Maryland is 4-7. and Opponents points per game, 64.6 for UConn. And Maryland, 65 points. I honestly don't know who to take here, to be honest. It's, it's actually a really good game. Uh, the points per game is almost dead even. The points per game skews by four points or so to UConn. But Maryland has played tougher opponents, and they've had much more success. For that reason, I'm going to go Maryland here. I really am. All right, and Alabama versus Iona. I'm going Alabama because I love Alabama football program, and I am so happy to see the Alabama basketball program make it to March Madness and actually have a high seed. I think the year they had um, Colin Sexton, they were like a low seed, like 10, 11 or so like that. I don't remember if they did anything, but it's good to see that Alabama finally has a good basketball program after a decade or so having a fantastic football team and no basketball team. That was just me getting a sip of water. Like I said, I'm just going to go raw. I'm not going to edit this out because I just want to try to keep it the same and also try to keep it as nice and crisp. Illinois versus Drexel. I'm going to go Illinois. I'm not going to talk about it. A lot of people have Illinois going to the Elite Eight Final Four. Will they get that far? I don't really know and I don't really care. I don't see them winning at all. They're going to be losing at some point. I don't have them in my Final Four. Just off the rip. Loyola Chicago versus Georgia Tech. Now, I don't remember if I've told the story or not of why I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I've said the story why I'm a Kentucky and an Alabama fan. But Georgia Tech, I think I might have touched upon. When Noma Garcia Parra was on the Red Sox, uh, I found out that he went to Georgia Tech. And when I was, like, really young, like, fourth, no, when was he on the team? He was on the team when I was in second grade before he got traded. Ever from, like, second grade. I always wanted to go to Georgia Tech for college. Always, always, always. Had no idea what kind of school they were. Had no idea about colleges and conferences and how competitive college sports were. Just wanted to go there to play baseball. And I just wanted to go there for an education. A couple years later, I kind of figured things out. How, you know, certain teams are good. How certain conferences are good. And Georgia Tech sucked. They sucked in football. They sucked in basketball. And I was like, well, well, I can go to baseball. They're not too bad there. Fast forward some more years. Now I'm like in college. Football team shows a little bit of life, but ultimately they suck. But this year, this year, Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament and they are in the big dance the first time since I couldn't even tell you when. It is so good to finally see Georgia Tech. So good to finally see Georgia Tech, a team that I have loved, or I guess a school I have loved for so long 
have no success in college sports. Be in March Madness, and I am picking Georgia Tech, and I'm not even going to go over Loyola College, Loyola Chicago's stats or Georgia Tech stats. So I'm picking Georgia Tech solely because I am biased and I love the school for some odd reason. Texas. Oh wait, no, not Texas. Tennessee and Oregon. Sorry, I had my mic kind of in the way. Tennessee versus Oregon. Oregon State, excuse me. Tennessee, 72.5 points. Oregon State, 70.7. BPI ranks got 12 for Tennessee, 87 for Oregon State. Versus the top 25, we have 2-2 two two for Tennessee. We have 2-1 for Oregon. And points per game, 63.2 and 68.3 for Oregon State. I know Kim is picking Tennessee because she loves Tennessee and she wants to go there so bad. So I guess I will kind of appease that and also go Tennessee. Also, there was really no reason to pick Oregon State. Tennessee's played very well this year, and I think they deserve a first-round win. Oklahoma State versus Liberty. Come on. Load up. Load. This this stuff's not loading. Ugh. Can I get another another um, game? Can I get this one? Oh my god! Don't don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. None of them are loading. Oh, here we go. All right, we got Western Virginia and Moreland. All right, let's see. All right, um, points per game seventy-seven point one for VWU and seventy-four point nine for Moreland. Western Virginia is thirty-sixth in BPI. Meanwhile, Moreland is seventy-six. Very low BPI for Western Virginia, being that they're the third seed in the Midwest, I believe. No. Yeah, the Midwest. 9-5 uh, and five versus top 25 teams, though. Moreland is 0-0, zero zero, never got a chance. Opponents' points per game is 72.9 for Western Virginia. Meanwhile, Moreland has 59.6. So they're a very good defensive team. Western Virginia, not so much in comparison. But I just think that the fact that Western Virginia is in a Power 5, they've played 14 games versus upper echelon competitors that has me sway in that direction for western virginia can i go back to the oklahoma state liberty game here we go all right oklahoma state versus liberty 13 uh, and oklahoma state is four already off the rip i see liberty with 59.6 wow wow some of these like non-power five conference schools have really good defenses and if you look at Liberty, they're 74 and 9 points per game. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State is 77.1, and they're also giving up 72.9. That's pretty good for Liberty. 23 and 5 overall, not too bad. Top 25, though, uh, Oklahoma State is 9 and 5, and Liberty is only 0 and 0. <sighs> That's too tough to pass up. If Oklahoma State was like, you know, 2 and 1, or like, you know, 2 and 2, I'd probably sway Liberty, but I just think that. You know, Oklahoma State being in a Power 5 conference, I just can't pass that up. You know, they have the experience against the competition. Liberty, not so much. It'll be very interesting to see if Oklahoma State can crack with their 77.1 points per game. The Liberty's sub-60 defense. I'd be very surprised if they could do that. So I'm going to have to pick Oklahoma State here. Sorry to the sub-60 defense. I think they'll get absolutely exploded on. San Diego State University versus Syracuse. I know a good friend of mine who went to who I went to high school with is a big Syracuse Orange fan. I don't really know why, to be honest. 
I think it's because of the football on uh, the basketball program there, but probably just because like me and Georgia Tech, to be honest. Anyways, points per game, 71.4 for San Diego and 75.8 for Syracuse. BPI rank for San Diego is 18 and Syracuse is 33. Versus the top 25, San Diego's 2-0 and Syracuse is 1-3. Opponents points per game. Ooh, this is this is a big difference. 60.6 for San Diego and 70.7 for Syracuse. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Syracuse is one of the only college basketball teams that runs a full-time zone defense. Um, why? Because you don't see it all the time. And that's a good strategy to have as a coach is run something that the other team doesn't see all the time. Everyone's used to man. You know, if you can get a pick and get around your man, you're going to have an open bucket if there's no help defense. But with zone, there's no man. So getting open is a little bit different and a little bit more challenging in that aspect. Obviously, both defenses both have their pros and cons. I think that the zone is going to kind of throw San Diego State off, and we're going to see an upset there. I really do. All right, 11-11. Okay, I didn't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I wish. If Wichita was going to win. All right, I'm just checking to see. Wow, I have three 11 seeds winning. Ballsy. That's ballsy. Clemson versus Rutgers. I'm not a big fan of Rutgers. I think their football program is so overhyped. Clemson, I think, is the better team all around. Let's see. Opponents points per game, 62 for Clemson. And 68.2 for Rutgers versus the top 25. Clemson is 2-1. Meanwhile, Rutgers is 1-7. I'm just going to stop there. Rutgers doesn't have it, man. Rutgers doesn't have it. I'm just going to go Clemson right off the rip. Houston, number 2 versus Cleveland State, number 15. (sighs) Houston's number 3 in the country. And Cleveland's 186. I'm not going to talk about this. Come on. Like, look, the BPI rank, Houston's number three, and Cleveland's 186. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be laughing at this. But if you're listening on audio only, just know that I'm not talking about this matchup. I really am not. Houston is expected and projected to go very far into the dance, and I'm not going to let the Cleveland State uh, Cleveland State team get in their way. All right, so that's the round of 64. Yes, I noticed that I am almost 50 minutes deep into this podcast episode. So, yes, hopefully you were ready for a rather longer episode. I'm kind of overdue for a a very long episode here, and this is it. Talking about March Madness, we have a million games to get into. Like I said, we just finished the round of 64 as we now move to the round of 32. And let's just dive right into it so we don't waste any more time. Gonzaga versus Missouri. Oh, before I do, I'm not going to go too much into the nitty-gritty details about each matchup unless it's a close game or it's a game I'm torn upon. As we get closer and closer to the national championship game, obviously there's going to be more games that I um, more games that will be much more tighter. Obviously, a Gonzaga one seed versus a Norfolk State and Appalachian State whatever sixteen matchup isn't all that interesting. Not much to go into. Just like the Houston and the Cleveland State matchup, not much to go into there. But like I said, as we get closer and the seeds get tighter and the competitions get stronger, I'll probably dive back into it. But Gonzaga and Missouri. I'm just going to tell you Gonzaga right now. Creighton and Virginia, though, that's going to be a good matchup. I still, still don't want to pick Virginia because of that fact that they lost. But they ended up winning the national championship, though, the year after. So you, you can't really blame them there. This is an interesting matchup. This really is because off the rip, Creighton's better. But Virginia plays a better defense. 
they don't score as much as Creighton. So Creighton has 77 points per game. Virginia has 68.6. Opponents points per game is 68.3 for Creighton and uh, 60.5 for Virginia. I know a lot of people are hyped up on Virginia, unlike me, who I'm very not hyped upon. So I'm going to go Creighton here. This could go either way for a lot of people. This really could. Me, personally, since my bracket, I'm going to go Creighton, and we're just going to move on. USC versus Kansas. I think Kansas is too damn good. Like I said, if Wichita was playing, actually playing and not playing that playing game versus USC, so it was 6 USC and 11 Wichita, I would have picked Wichita. So now that it's Kansas versus USC, I'm just going to go Kansas, and we'll call it a day. VCU versus Iowa. As much as I kind of like uh, VCU, Iowa is too damn good of a team. A lot of people have them going far into the Elite Eight, maybe Final Four. I'm just going to have to call it there versus VCU in the round of 32. Baylor versus UNC. As much as I talked good about UNC being one of the only good teams that's usually good in the tournament, unlike Duke and Kentucky, I don't think they have it. Baylor scores 84.5 points per game. They only give up 66.4. A massive difference. That's 18-point difference. UNC gives up um, gives up 69.4, which is pretty good, but they only score 75.7. I think Baylor's way too good to lose this matchup. Villanova versus Purdue. It might be Villanova again here. Yeah, points per game, 75.5 for Villanova, 71.1 for Purdue, 67.1 opponent points per game for Villanova, and 66.3 for Purdue. Purdue is 5-5 five and five in or against the top 25, and Villanova is 3-1. I'd like another 5 seed here. I picked number 5 Creighton over 4 Virginia, and I'm going to do it again. 5 Villanova over 4 Purdue. That's two 5 teams now in the Sweet 16. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Utah State versus Arkansas. I picked Utah State because I was kind of torn a little bit and I was a little biased towards Jordan Love. I'm going to go Arkansas here. Arkansas is very, very good. Utah State, I don't think, can dance with them. Just just to clarify, if I actually did pick Texas Tech to beat Utah State, I probably would still have Arkansas winning that game, to be honest. Does it really matter? Maybe not. Virginia Tech versus uh, number two, Ohio State. This is one. This is one that could be a really good game, I think. I think that this could be a really, really good game. Now, do I think Ohio State will lose? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I could still see this being a good game. Uh, Let's see. 77 points for Ohio State. 72.1 for Virginia Tech. 70.3 given up for Ohio State. And 65.5 given up for VT. Ohio State's 7-4 in the top 25. And Virginia Tech is 4-0. I just, I don't. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose this game. I really don't. I'd, I'd like to see Virginia Tech kind of, you know, go a little further into the dance, but I just think Ohio State's going to be way too good for them. Moving over to the east in the second half, we have Michigan versus LSU. That's that's easy, Michigan. Georgetown versus Florida State. I picked Georgetown because I'm buying into the hype, and I don't think Colorado's legit. I'm going to go Florida State here. Um, Michigan State University or UCLA versus Texas. I don't really know who's going to be there, so I'm just going to go Texas. If it's Michigan State, 
I still don't think I'd pick Texas. Uh, I still don't think I'd pick them over Texas if it was UCLA. I still don't think I'd pick them over Texas. So therefore, by default, Texas wins. Maryland versus Alabama. That could be a really, really good matchup because Maryland's actually very good on the defensive end of the ball. Their problem is they don't score enough as well. And Alabama can score almost 80 points. I mean, 79.6 points per game, only giving up 69.8. So that's not terrible either. But 65 points per game given up for Maryland is actually really, really good. But they just can't score. They only score average 68.8. And honestly... Got to throw a little bias in there as well. Alabama is going to win that game. If Maryland can score an average of maybe five to seven more points than they actually do, it'd be a really, really difficult conversation to have. All right. The matchup I really wanted to avoid. Illinois versus Georgia Tech. I really wanted to avoid this one. But I'm just gonna, it's right there in front of me. I told my boys Georgia Tech is an Elite Eight lock. I don't see them being an Elite Eight lock. I really don't. <laughs> oh, don't make me pick them. Don't make me pick them. <sighs> Let's look at the stats. Let's look at the stats. Illinois averages 81.1 points per game. Georgia Tech averages 75.5. Respectable. BPI rank, Illinois is 4 and Georgia Tech is 35th. Okay, not terrible. Opponents points per game, 68.6 for Illinois. And 70, a flat 70 for Georgia Tech. Versus the top 25, Illinois is 7-3, and Virginia, uh, Virginia, Georgia Tech is 5-3. Um, yikes, man, yikes. What's really selling me, what's really selling me for Georgia Tech, I'm not going to lie, is they only give up 70 points, which is... Not, I mean, it's better. And they can score 75. They, the, Georgia Tech's points per game is higher than Illinois's um, opponents' points per game given up. Also, Georgia Tech is 5-3 and three against his top 25. Illinois is 7-3. and three. So Georgia Tech has played the tough um, competitors. They've played the top teams. They've had really good success being 5-3. and three. Obviously, Illinois is 7-3, but they just played more games against them. That 81.1 points, though, per game for Illinois is also tough. Uh, okay, if it wasn't Georgia Tech here and it was somebody else, I'd probably pick Illinois. But if I'm looking at the stats and I just you know kind of block out you know Illinois and I block out Georgia Tech, I do see a lot of good things from the number nine seed here. I really, really do. It also helps that it's Georgia Tech. So I'm picking Georgia Tech to beat number one, Illinois, in the round of 32. Georgia Tech is in the sweet 16, baby. Is that possible? Maybe. (laughs) Is it possible? Maybe. I don't know. I just want to see it. But like I said, Georgia Tech does do good things. They're 5-3 versus the top 25. They're only the 35th BPI. 75 and a half points per game. They only give up 70. The only thing that Illinois really does better is they score six more points. That's really it. You know, they only score six more points. And if you want to say Illinois has the fourth best BPI, sure. But whatever. Whatever. Moving on, Tennessee, Oklahoma State. Very good game here. Uh, I think Texas is uh, Tennessee's. I keep getting the mixed. I see the big orange, big orange T, and I think of Texas. You can't fault me for that. 
Tennessee gives up 63.2 points per game. Oklahoma State does have a lot more experience versus top 25 teams going 9-5. and five. Tennessee overall is the better team. Um, Oklahoma State can also score better, but only by a few points. This is a tough game. I like Tennessee's defense, though. I really do. <sighs> Am I really going to do another four? Five ups, uh, five four upset. Am I really gonna do another five four upset? No, oh, can I do it? 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 <sighs> yeah, no, I'm gonna pick Oklahoma State because look, look, Oklahoma State has the likely top pick, Kate Cunningham. So I mean, <sighs> that's hard to pick against that. Oklahoma State wins. 11 Syracuse, does my knuckles, uh, versus 3 West Virginia. Tough game there. I think Syracuse's 2-3 zone, zone can steal one game. Can it steal two games? That I don't know. But this game is actually a lot closer than you think. Uh, opponents points per games within less than two. Um, versus top 25, Western Virginia's 5-7. and seven. Syracuse is 1-3, and three, so no big change there. BPI, Western Virginia's 27, Syracuse is 33. And points per game is a difference of less than two. I could totally see. Now, I think it was Syracuse as well. They were they played the playing game the first four and a couple years ago. And they were the 11th seed as well. And they made it to like the Elite Eight, I think. They were bracket busters. Since I'm not sold on Western Virginia here, and Syracuse plays a 2-3 zone, I could totally see Syracuse's zone winning two games. I really do. Now, if they lose to San Diego State, I'm going to be ripped shit. I'm going to be so pissed. All right. Clemson versus Houston. I'm still not even going to go over this. Houston is just way too good. Just for the record, we'll just look at it just so you can see how good Houston is. They have only give up 57.9 points per game to the opponent. They're 1-0 versus top 25 teams. BPI rank of 3. 77.6 points per game they've scored. And they are 14-3 in the conference if that means anything to you. 24 and 3 overall a powerhouse team a powerhouse team so that is the round of 32 that wasn't too bad that didn't take too long moving over to the sweet 16 the sweet 16 yeah all right this is the competition's getting really tight it's getting really close just to brush over who we have in the sweet 16 really quickly we have one Gonzaga versus five Creighton. We have three Kansas versus two Iowa. We have one Baylor versus five Villanova. We have three Arkansas versus two Ohio State. Moving over to the east, we have one Michigan versus four Florida State. Three Texas versus two Alabama. Nine Georgia Tech versus four Oklahoma. And 11 Syracuse versus two Houston. I think that's a pretty fair bracket. Pretty fair uh, compared to the matchup we have, we have two one versus five, two versus uh, right, right, just one. Yeah, we have two one versus five seeds. We have three three versus two seeds. We have a one versus four, a nine versus four, and eleven versus two. So a good good amount of uh, you know difference, right? A good amount of what's the word I'm looking for? Good amount of. I don't know the word I'm looking for here. Not change. I don't know. I can't think of the word. I'm whatever. Whatever. Let's just. You're not here for the word. You're here to see who I pick. Gonzaga or Creighton. 
Man, I still... I have to go Gonzaga, dude. I have to. I, I mean, why, why don't I pick Gonzaga? Let's just look. Why don't I pick Gonzaga? Somebody tell me. 69.1 opponents points per game. 4-0 versus the top 25. Number one BPI rank. 15-0 in the conference. 92.1 points scored. Overall, 26-0. Why do I pick against Gonzaga? I'm not. And I'm not even going to go over Creighton because I've already went over them a bunch. Number one, Baylor versus five, Villanova. This could be an insane matchup, but I don't think it will be. This honestly has the making to be a good matchup because Villanova can play very good defense. So can Baylor. But I think the big difference here is that Baylor can score much better than Villanova. I don't want to be a basic bum and pick another number one seed. <sighs> Who do I pick? Mm. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to read this here. Villanova, one of the top teams in the country for much of the season. Villanova enters the tourney having dropped three of their last four, including both games both games since losing senior guard Colin Gillespie. Um, for a season-ending knee injury led by Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the Wildcats still have three double-digit scorers, but Gillespie's outside shooting and playmaking will be tough to replace. This is still a very dangerous team, but their margin for error is much smaller than before. Now talking about Baylor, a favorite to cut down the nets. Baylor boasts one of the best scoring offenses in the country. Jared Butler, Mikeo Teague, and Davian Mitchell led an offense that is both aggressive and accurate from beyond the arc. Knocking them off will be a tall order, but if a defense can keep the Bears off balance and give them a taste of their own medicine by draining threes, it can be done. That still doesn't help me. <laughs> it still doesn't help me. Who do I pick? I'm just going to go back to it. Kansas versus Iowa. This is going to be a really good matchup here. This is going to be a good matchup. I still think I pick um, Iowa, though. They have the player of the year, Luke Garza. They can get hot really fast. I mean, they can score in bunches. Where'd it go? 83.8 points per game. That's so tough to beat. I mean, yes, Kansas can you know stop them at 65.8 opponents points per game but can Kansas keep up with um Iowa's offense at 73.1 I don't think so and I think that's why Iowa will win Arkansas versus Ohio State I think this is going to be a really good game as well I'm going to actually pick Arkansas and this is for this reason only both defenses can play very well giving up less than 71 points per game but 82.4 points for Arkansas compared to 77 for Ohio State is tough to pass upon. Arkansas can score in bunches. They can score quick. They can play defense. They are 2-2 two two versus top 25 teams. Even though Ohio State is 7-4, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> seed fact. Number two te- seeds are 34-22 and 22 against number three seeds. Interestingly, 9 out of 11 meetings since 2013 have been decided by double figures. Interesting. Yeah, Arkansas has won 20, uh, 12 of their final 13 games before falling to LSU in the conference semis. They led the SEC in scoring and in second in rebounding. Uh, 
and Buckeyes stumbled down the stretch of the regular season, but they came on strongly in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. I think overall, March Madness is all about who's hot at the right time, right? Just like in, you know, any football, or not football, any playoffs, football, hockey, baseball, hockey, especially if a team is hot, if a goalie is hot, they could steal two series. It's like that. Football, you win four to your last five games going into the playoffs, you sneak in as the wild card, whatever, and then you can win a couple games. The next thing you know, you're in the championship game. It's like that, like that. Arkansas. Boom. I'm going to go back to Baylor Villanova. I really am. Michigan versus Florida State. See, it gets so much tougher when you, you know, good opponents are playing each other. I think, I really think the Seminoles will be, will win this because, because their offense is just too good. I mean, can you really, oh, where'd it go? I mean, 78.9. Yes, Michigan's only a couple points behind them. Six and three versus, you know, top 25. Florida State's only two and oh. Michigan does have a good defense, though. Michigan does have a good defense at 64.4 points. Let's read the team summaries. Michigan. A midseason COVID-19 pause cost Michigan more than three weeks, and while they've shown some rust since, we've also seen elite potential, rebound margin, defense, field goal percentage, and offensive field goal percentage, assist to turnover rate, name a stat, and the Wolverines check that box. Hunter Dickinson has been good as any freshman in the nation, but the Wolverines enter the tournament without one of their three 13-point-per-game scores as senior forward Isaiah Livers is sidelined with a foot injury. Florida State. The Seminoles have one of the best offenses in college football with five players averaging at least one three-point... <laughs> That's the stat line? Best offenses in college basketball with five players averaging at least one three-pointer per game. Wow. Whoa, okay. All right. Oh, careful. He could do. <laughs> they also they are also one of the best offensive rebounding units in the country with senior forward Raekwon Gray, one of five players averaging at least 1.4 offensive boards per game. Their defense is built from the inside out with center Balsa Kaprivica leading a unit that is among the nation's best at limiting opponent shooting percentage inside the arc. Just from reading that, I feel stronger about Michigan. I do. I, I'm sorry, but that, that first line, Florida State has one of the best offenses in the country with five players scoring at least one three-pointer. What? Like, yes, okay, I guess having a good amount of players that can shoot the three ball is good, yes. But I'm sorry, that just caught me so off guard, and I just thought that was hilarious. And you're going to tell me that you didn't think that was a little chuckly? You gonna tell me that that wasn't a little chuckly? Come on, Texas versus Alabama. I still want to pick Alabama, bro. I still do. I still, still do. I mean, sorry, putting chapstick on. Opponents' points per game is a one point difference in favor of Texas. Uh, BPI ranked nine to twenty two, favor of Alabama. Points per game seventy nine point six compared to seventy five point two for Texas. Versus top twenty-five teams, though Texas is seven and six, and Alabama is only one and three. Uh, let's read the team summaries. Texas, Chicago Smart has one of the most talented teams. Oh, did I already read this? In Austin, the Longhorns are hot at the right time while winning the program's first conference title in twenty-six years. 
Top scorer Andrew Jones is adept at creating a shot off the dribble, while a pair of upperclassmen Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey uh, distribute the ball. Sharpshooter Jasse Fabris is back from knee injury, providing the X factor of late. And then for Alabama, with SEC Player of the Year and Defense Player of the Year, Herbert Jones and SEC Coach of the Year Nate Oates, the Crimson Tide are a force to be reckoned with. Not only do they bring an elite defense led by SEC in rebounds and steals per game, but they can score two as they led the SEC in three-point per game and have four players averaging double figures. However, their mediocre free-throw shooting could cause a problem in making a deep tournament run. That is true. Tournament runs... Uh, not tournament runs. Uh, the tournament is plagued with fouling and free-throw shooting. Oh, man. This, this is a really good matchup. I've been saying that a lot. Uh, all right, Alabama. All right, all right, all right. And then Syracuse-Houston. Oh, man, do I... Do I still, oh, do I ride, do I ride the Syracuse Orange Wave again? I don't think so. I think come the Elite Eight is when those Cinderella team, or I should say the Sweet 16, leading up to the Elite Eight, is where the Cinderella teams kind of start to fizzle out and their magic kind of start to run out. And that might be Syracuse here. Houston, we have a problem. I'm sorry, no, we don't have a problem. Just their, their defense is too good. I think their offense will be able to adapt to a 2-3 zone. They're going to see it on film for two games now against, you know, um, who they playing against uh, San Diego State and Western Virginia. I think Houston will be able to adapt, especially with the time off between the round of 32 and the Sweet 16. You got five days. Yeah, you got four or five days off. I think they'll be okay. They'll be able to adapt to it. Georgia Tech and Oklahoma State. I think this is where Georgia Tech's luck runs out. We're going to go Oklahoma State here. I just think Cade Cunningham is going to be way too much for Georgia Tech to handle. Georgia Tech might be able to dance with them for a little bit. But I don't even know if Georgia Tech will even get to this point, to be honest, against Illinois. But like I said in the previous round, Illinois-Georgia Tech, nothing that really stood out to me for Illinois. Georgia Tech is actually a very comparable team in terms of immediate and stat, the immediate stats. But... I mean, we could look at them here. They could kind of, you know, balance out a little bit. But I think when it comes to basketball, star power is superior. And Oklahoma State has star power. Baylor versus Villanova. I still don't know. I still don't know, guys. I still don't know. Uh, Do I buy into the hype that they're one of the favorites to cut down the nets? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. I don't want to stick on this for too much longer. I really don't. All right, Gonzaga versus Iowa. Man, this is gonna this is gonna be a good one. I've, I've been saying that the past few games now. Good one. It's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. I have no reason not to pick Gonzaga. Now, am I gonna have them go all the way? I don't know. I don't think so. But look, ninety-two point one points per game. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Who's stopping that? 69.1 points given up. Who's stopping them? Who's going to score on them? I mean, oh, I'm looking at the wrong game. Hold on. I'm looking at the wrong game. Yes, points per game, 83.8 points for Iowa. Yes, that's fantastic. And 71.9 points given up is comparable to Gonzaga's 69.1. Yo, dude, I have no idea. Number one seeds are 35 and 30 versus two seeds in the past four tournaments, though number twos have won four or six meetings. 
Damn, if a team is going to stop Gonzaga, it might be Iowa. Let's just be honest. It might be Iowa. <sighs> damn, damn, damn. Damn, I don't know. I don't know. Let's skip them. Michigan, Alabama. Oh, wait, I forgot to do one over here. Baylor versus Arkansas. I'm going to go Baylor. I'm not going to sit and think about it all. I don't want to have like a bunch of number one teams in it. I really don't. Um, oh, wait, no, wrong matchup. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, I have to go. I have to go Baylor. I can't doubt Baylor. I really can't doubt them here. They're a really good team. I have to go with them. And they're in the final four. Boom. Oh, one thing about March Madness, I just kind of remembered that the championship game is April 5th and the final four games April 3rd. I feel like all of March Madness should be in March, right? And shouldn't just be the last two weeks in it, right? Does that annoy anybody else? Does that annoy anybody else or is that just me? That might just be me. Um, Michigan, Alabama, one and two. I'm riding the Alabama wave this year. Yee ha i mean they do a lot of good things they um 79 almost 80 points per game michigan 76 bpi ranks very close top three michigan favors them opponents points per game michigan favors by four i just think as a collective unit both teams are very good i'm not going to say michigan's better than alabama i'm not going to say alabama's better than michigan i think the intangibles will really prevail such as having the sec coach of the year on Alabama's side, being able to play defense, defensive rebounds, and steals per game favor Alabama as well. Uh, Alabama has the defensive player of the year and the SEC player of the year. But Michigan's can score, dude. They can score. I mean, they're a little, they're a little fit. I don't want to say fatigue, but I mean, they did have to stop for three weeks, like I mentioned earlier, because of COVID. This is a tough game. They can do so much stuff. They can do so much stuff, Michigan. I can't be basic and pick three number one. If I pick Gonzaga, I can't be basic. Oklahoma State versus Houston. I forget. I think Houston got far. They were the number two seed or number three seed, I think, and they got pretty far. A lot of people had them going deep, and then they choked. I don't know if that's true or not. But look, 57.9 points per game. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Dude, I don't know. I might pick Oklahoma State because they're 9-5 and versus top 25 teams, and Houston's only 1-0. And Oklahoma State has Kate Cunningham. I still think star power is better. All right, Oklahoma State. I have a wonky, a wonky Final Four so far. We still have one team to pick. Oh, my God. Who am I going to pick? Oh, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Oh, my God. Who am I picking? All right. All right. Let's just run through the stats one more time. Gonzaga, 69.1 opponent points per game. Iowa, 71.9 points per game from the opponent. First of the top 25, Gonzaga's 4-0. Meanwhile, Iowa's 8-5. BPI rank has Gonzaga at 1, and the BPI rank has Iowa at 5. Conference, if it means anything to you, 15-0 for Gonzaga, 14-6 for Iowa. Points per game for Gonzaga is 92.1, and points per game for Iowa is 83.8. Do we have to read the team summaries? I've already read them. I'm not going to read them again. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I do. I don't... 
I have to go Gonzaga. Dude, they're a juggernaut. I'm not going to let Luke Garza, player of the year favorite, to convince me that Iowa is a better team. Because they're not. They could win, yes. They could win the game, but they're not a better team. If they were to play 10 times, I could see Iowa winning four. I could, yeah, four times. But when it only matters once, I have to pick Gonzaga, dude. I have to pick him. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right, final four. Here we go. Final four. We have one Gonzaga versus two Alabama. And on the other side, we have one Baylor versus four Oklahoma State. I think this is the point where the player kind of doesn't matter as much, and it's all about the better team. <sighs> Even though I struggled so much to pick Gonzaga, I have to pick them to win this game against Alabama. I love Alabama, but they might not even get to the Final Four. They might lose to Texas here. I'm not going to pick them any further, and there's no way on God's green earth am I going to pick them over Gonzaga. Baylor versus Oklahoma State, on the other hand, that's a very interesting matchup. I just think Baylor is still way too good. I mean, yes, Cade Cunningham is a phenomenal player, and I keep referring to him because he's going to be the number one pick, more than likely. He leads the team in every major category while drawing frequent double teams. That's dynamite. That's good. And if Baylor has to do that same thing, maybe the rest of the team can take advantage as he passes off. Number ones have won all eight meetings with four seeds the past five tournaments after going 6-5 and five from 2011 to 2014. Baylor's still one of the favorites. I think the whole country wants to see Baylor versus Gonzaga. I really do. And I'd be foolish, foolish to pick against them here. Like I said, star players mean so much in basketball, but you can only go so far riding one player. I mean, you're playing March Madness. You're playing one, two, three, four, five potentially six games in a matter of two weeks dude it's gonna be tough it's gonna be hard it's gonna matter to coaching and every other every other variable in terms of playing basketball than just one player now we have gonzaga versus baylor one seed versus one seed uber super basic i don't know i mean come on Oh, these decisions are so tough. Let's see. Oh, we have no more extra. Oh, we do, actually. The last meeting between number one seeds came in 2018 National Semis when Villanova defeated Kansas 95-79. I wish I had the stats from that game. Man, this is tough, yo. This is really tough. A lot of people are going to be picking Gonzaga, dude. A lot of people are going to be picking Gonzaga. Do I do it too? Is there a reason to not pick Gonzaga? If there is, comment down below right now if you're watching this YouTube video or reach out to me at Merz underscore Boston ST. Is there a reason to not take Gonzaga? I will wait for five seconds for you to tell me. And then even though I recorded this in the, in the past, I'll eventually read it and maybe change my mind. Four, three, two, one. All right, I'm picking Gonzaga. Oh, now what's the score, yo? Oh, I don't even know what the score will be. Um, I think it will be 88 to 74. 
14? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. I don't want to lose this because I still need to transfer it to my league over. I'm just doing a random blank bracket so I can show you guys. But yes, here is my final projection for my national championship for March Madness. We have 88 to 74 Gonzaga over Baylor. Quickly, my takeaways from this bracket after filling it out and really diving deep into it. What can we expect? We can expect to Gonzaga to mash through anybody that they face. We can expect Baylor to probably mash through everybody that they face as well. Don't be afraid to take underdogs because a lot of um, underdogs can win in this tournament. I would not be surprised if we see 10 underdogs win. How many do I have? We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh god, now now it switches on me. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 13, 14, 15, 16. We have 16. We have 16 underdogs winning. You know, we have 16 games of underdogs winning. So don't be afraid to take underdogs, all right? I mean, read into the statistics. Read into why, you know, this team may beat that team. I mean, just I'll randomly pick Creighton versus Virginia. That's a very good matchup. You know, Virginia could easily win this game. They're giving up 60.5 points per game. I think that you know Creighton's offense is better than the Virginia offense. So if it's going to be in terms of keeping up, then I think that that out that favors Creighton a lot. Now this could easily be an incorrect take where Virginia wins, and they easily could win. They're a very good team. I mean, look at the B, uh, the top twenty-five. They're three and two. Meanwhile, Virginia is one and three. BPI rank is so close. Virginia's eleven and Creighton's thirteen. So off the rip, I mean, that's a very good game that could go either way. So just do your research and look at it. If you have any questions or, you know, thoughts, comments, reach out to me. You know, Twitter on Instagram, at Murphs underscore Boston ST. Hit me up with some questions. You know, who do I think? You know, if you're having some, you know, difficulty with your bracket, watch this video, listen to this podcast, and hopefully from what I'm talking while you're filling out your bracket can kind of help you to make your own decisions. All right? This is an excellent and fun time of year is March Madness because everybody fills out a bracket, whether they're college basketball whizzes or if they're novices to the game. Everyone's filling out a bracket, and it's like the one time of year, maybe the second time of year. Yeah, I think only one of two times a year where everyone kind of comes together in terms of sports, March Madness brackets and Super Bowl squares. The only two times of the year where everybody, whether you like the sport, like the team or not, kind of comes together. And... Me being a, I was a college basketball fan. I've kind of slipped off lately. Love this time of year because every single year I fill out my bracket thinking that it's going to go perfect. I really do. Now, even though I said that a bunch of these matchups could go one way or the other, I'm still very confident with my picks. I have until tomorrow to kind of change things around. I don't think I will, but this is what I'm feeling right now. I have a lot of bold picks. I have a lot of, you know, hot takes for each team and I have a bunch of gimmies as well, but and come March Madness, when one game means everything, anything can happen. I mean, look at a couple years ago. UMBC won against Virginia. 16 seed beat the one seed for the first time ever in March Madness. 
anything is possible. Hartford could be Baylor, and then a ton of brackets are screwed. My entire bracket would be screwed because I have Baylor in the national championship game. We just don't know. We don't know. So I'm very excited for March Madness this year. I am looking forward to it, especially not having it last year. I'm sure everybody missed it last year, but we finally have it again. We have it back this year, and I'm super excited to get going with it. So thank you so much for joining me on this very long episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening and enjoying as well. Reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Merce underscore Boston ST as always. And if you're watching on YouTube, if you haven't already, chuck a like rating down below if you enjoyed this video. And please comment your thoughts down below as well. Subscribe if you're new to the channel. And I can't wait to see you guys at the end of the week for Friday's episode. And until then, enjoy your March Madness. And we're going to have a lot of talk about, you know, as March Madness rolls around. But until Friday, I will see you later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.